Hello, it's Joe Yule back with you today and thank you so much for listening and if it's your first time catching the show, then welcome. We hope you enjoy today's selection of news and interviews and if so, please do subscribe and leave us a little review if you've got a moment and like what you hear. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader, Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm Joe Yule. Two metres, one metre or somewhere in between. Could changing social distancing rules unlock our restaurants and bars? If we were to be able to open, say, July and August, maybe two metre in July and one metre in August, it would save our business. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Jack Stein, the son of renowned chef Rick Stein, is ready and raring to get the doors of his dad's establishments open. And the idea is very much now people are going to have sex. How can we help them to do it as safe as possible? Dutch writer Linda Duets. As the UK government introduces social bubbles, what happened when Holland did it before us? Taken from the Evening Standards editorial column, this is the leader, Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what difference does half a metre make? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. We all know the two-metre rule. It's one of the bedrocks of social distancing, hammered into the public's consciousness over months of government messaging. But after all this time, is it going to change? Lots of businesses like restaurants and bars say it makes reopening almost impossible for them. How do they fit enough customers or tables in to make a profit when most of their space is taken up by, well, space? Other countries don't impose nearly such a big gap between people and now it looks like the UK could change its mind. Communities Minister Simon Clark seemed to be suggesting a review's underway in interviews this morning saying the government recognises the challenges faced by businesses. Our editorial column would welcome people being allowed to be a little bit closer together. Two metres makes a lot of modern urban life impossible, which is why we keep hearing briefings from the government that ministers want it to change. Only Canada and Ireland in the developed world also insist on it, and in Ireland there is talk of relaxing it for pubs. Spain, which did follow two metres, is now cutting the distance. The United States asks for an imperial six feet, 1.8 metres. 
Australia, Germany and Belgium are among those wanting 1.5 metres. If you manage to get a Eurostar to Paris, you'll find it's just one metre. The point isn't that any of these are right and all the others wrong, it's that the science isn't exact and the rules are a balance of many things. I'm now joined by Jack Stein, son of celebrity chef Rick Stein. Jack, obviously your restaurants are either closed or just doing takeaways, which I'm sure wasn't a particularly easy transition as a restaurant, but one that so many are being forced to embrace. What's the biggest challenge that you've been facing then during all of this? Well, I mean, to be honest, a very seasonal business down here in Cornwall. We've got restaurants in London and in, in Bournemouth, um, which are less seasonal. But I think that the timing was pretty tough for us because... As a group, we lose money from November till March. So basically, the moment we start, we would have effectively started to earn money for the year, we were closed. So um, cash flow is obviously, for most restaurants, cash flow has been the, the big issue um, and insurance. I mean, how would this two metre rule work for you? We, in some of our restaurants, it, it's not too bad. It's When I say not too bad, I mean, once furloughs over, you're talking break even, you're not making money, but it's better than going bust um some of our other restaurants are just too small so two meters just doesn't work so unfortunately we will just have to hold off on opening them until we can get something closer to what they're doing in europe which is the average looks about one and a half foot but yeah it's pretty tough how would one meter change the game for you well one meter would be again would be fantastic for us we would we would start to make money um uh, limited money but obviously if we can if we were to be able to open say july and august maybe two meter in july and one meter in august uh, it would save our business i mean there's no two ways about it that, that we would we would be looking at at the moment we were probably going bust, you know, mid middle of spring next year with cash flow, but that would probably keep us going through through to summer, which means we'd then recoup some of the losses from from this year. So yeah, it would be a game changer really. Um yeah, one meter would be great. What's what's the feeling amongst your fellow restaurateurs about this sort of two meter business? We want to be safe. You know, the most important thing for us at reopening is that we don't rush it and we don't do things that are gonna impact our customers health and our, and our, obviously most importantly to us as the staff at the moment because you know we are in a low fairly low incident area down here in Cornwall um, but London's been hit a lot harder so we just really need to be safe so I think if you put down any marker if you said three meter distance or people would say wouldn't two meters be, be better so I think we're always looking to get closer as close as we can but our restaurants do rely on on the buzz and they do rely on people being in them because we're not fine dining so i guess the biggest changes are going to be in just how people's perception of restaurants are i don't think that the numbers that we crunch are that's our issue i think it's more about the the attitude of diners the what age groups are prepared to go out and eat i mean we we would say look talking to people in the industry and talking to you know various different groups of people we we we'd probably say the, the sort of 20 to 35 category are probably going to still be quite resilient to eating out. I think they're probably going to just not drop off a cliff. But really, the clients of ours that are over 65 um, are probably going to be more reticent. I mean, and the good thing is, Dad is actually in Australia at the moment, and they've they're sort of very low in cases, and they've reopened, and we've got a couple of businesses over there, so we're able to get, garner quite a lot from that. And what seems to be happening in Australia is that actually people are getting more used to going out and actually it becomes not the new normal is that people are just I mean you you know you'd notice it yourself people when when you walk around you do just give people a bit more of a wide berth than you used to and I think that's just what's going to happen so we're hopeful 
next. What I think is very important, uh, which is always important when it comes down uh, uh, to sex and touching, is communication. How will this weekend's support bubble change things for singles? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's been a long old drought for many lockdown solos starved of any physical contact at all for the best part of three months. We even lost a key sage figure early on who advised strict measures for solos in lockdown after he couldn't keep to the rules himself. But this is all about to change with news a support bubble will introduce singles to the company of another from Saturday. But are they a little bit late to the party? Holland's intelligent lockdown let singles find what they called a sex buddy back in early May. There are critics who call it a high-risk strategy, but does it work? Dutch journalist Linda Dewitt is one of those who campaigned for singles to have a bit of company, and she's with me now. Linda, it feels a little bit ridiculous that people can go about three months without touching anyone. How did you feel when those rules were enforced in Holland? So at first, when they were brought in, I actually thought um, it was not that bad and you know take one for the team and of course we can do this which was also um, felt by other people that were single as well it's okay you know to um, go without sex for you know a couple of weeks but as the crisis prolonged and as it was unclear how long the situation was going to last our prime minister talked about a new normal or the one and a half meter society things got a little tense because then I realized maybe it's going to be indeed months before I touch someone again or be touched or have sex with somebody. There was a clear need to have well, better rules. So taken uh, from that sort of framework, I was thinking, you know, what, what can we do? And I wrote an op-ed piece uh, about it. Also arguing that um, sex is a human right in the sense that, you know, the World Health Organization acknowledges sexual rights, uh, deems them very important. And it also means that the government should not prevent people from having a fulfilling sex life. And it was quite successful <laughs> in the sense the rules actually got changed. This, of course, was not just due to me. Uh, uh, There was also a lobby from um, sexual health organizations going on. You say it's against human rights, but it does feel a little bit like that. It's almost like a form of torture, losing that human connection. It's not just um, about, about the sex, right? It's also about touch. And so I know a lot of people um, that hadn't been touched uh, in weeks and they really started to feel the consequences from that. So we know from research that this is really important for you human beings. There's also loads of studies done about positive uh, effects, which, which also has to do with ethics, right? It's very difficult to get ethical approval uh, for a study in which you withhold touch from people. So we know the positive effects uh, from that, clearly from loads of research. It's not uh, just a luxury, right? It's not just something extra. It's really a basic uh, human need. 
uh, to be touched, to be intimate with people. And I think a lot of people during Corona for the first time realized how important that was and also how many people we touch in, in daily life, right? In our little interactions that we have with people. When these restrictions get removed, if there isn't a situation where singles are allowed, there's going to be a basically a frenzy, isn't there, of people wanting to interact. Yeah. How can we safely go about reintroducing this kind of uh, support bubble that starts this weekend for us in England? Yeah, so um, what I think is very important, uh, which is always important when it comes down uh, to sex and touching, is communication. So you should be very clear um, about who you're seeing to the person that is your chosen one, sort of, so to speak. Uh, so who else are you seeing? Are you keeping your distance? Uh, are you traveling uh, with public transport, for instance? So really discuss what other risks uh, you're taking in life. What What is your relationship going to entail? Are you just going to hug and touch each other? Or is it going to involve sex as well? How often do you want to see each other? Um, so really communicate openly uh, about these things. And that was also the advice um, that our own RIVM, um, uh, so our own Centers for Disease Control, gave us. People are going to have sex. How can we make sure that they do it as safe as possible? And that's really uh, always the policy of the organizations here that provide public sex education as well. But also, you know, start from the reality that people are going to want to have sex. And you can ask them to hold that in for a couple of weeks. But other than that, you know, people are just going uh, to rebel against you. And then you're, as we say in Dutch, much further away from home. And that is The Leader, Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog at standard.co.uk. And we also have our morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back with you tomorrow at 4pm. 